This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Oh, we need Hi. our music. Let's we get do our need music. our music. I was like, I wasn't thinking we were on yet without the music. There it is. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy, it's the After Party Friday. live. Woo! It's here. It's live. You guys it's, tired of me uh, yet? Yeah, we were going to, you know, I asked you yesterday, <laughs> should we run a poll? Like, yeah, at what should. point are people tired of Kim? Like, chit, 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 chit. At what point is it a little too much Kim? Too much going on. Um... Yeah, Katie writes, it was a busy morning with Rothman. Walkoff was on with us. It was good. And Friday Fabulous Florida. It's been a great day. We had um, uh, Michael Snyder and Tim Sika both doing movies on on the shows and Michael Shore. It's been a good one. Michael Shore. Um, very cool. Um, mm-hmm. He's really funny. Yeah. I, am, I made a mistake earlier this week. I did not acknowledge a significant contribution that came in on Sunday Uh-oh. from Julie D. It's $52. So I wow. apologize. Julie D., that's a huge contribution. Julie! My bad. I will say, I'm Julie, sorry. Julia also takes notes on the shows and she'll send us ideas and she'll send us her thoughts on what we talked about. So it's cool. She's a, a great addition to, to our you know, what we have going on here. Thank you, Julie. And last night, late last night, Kim C made a contribution of a $25 super sticker. Super thanks. Thank you, Kim C. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really nice. You guys. It doesn't end. Cindy sends $10. Cindy for for Superwoman Kim. uh, Fifth straight hour. I hope you have a soothing tea. I do. I have my Coachella Valley coffee tea. The mango I really liked. You don't like lemon as much. You don't like I don't like the lemon in this tea. So I I would drink it hot. But I'm going to set that one aside. And I'm going for the lemon people in the crowd. Those are for the lemon people. I do like the mint, though. It's lemon mint. But I prefer the Moroccan mint and the um, the uh, what is it? There's another mint one, uh, Moroccan mint, and yeah, there's another mint one. You'll say oh, ginger mint, ginger helamint, ginger mint is that other one? That should be but a flavor, helamint. This Helimint. one is the chamomile, and it's really good too. So I'm liking. Well, it we all like our flavors. Yeah. That's why a wise yeah. man named Gene Burns said that's why they make um, chocolate and vanilla, and sometimes mm-hmm. strawberry. That's right. Uh, let's talk about, we had talked about this on the on the show before, the approval in the UK of CRISPR technology when it comes to a couple of diseases and um, helping people that suffer from things like sickle cell. Yeah. So it's approved in the UK. And today, this gene editing treatment has now also been approved by the FDA here in America as well. The FDA approving Kazgevi, it is the first gene editing treatment to be marketed in the U.S. It uses this CRISPR technology to treat sickle cell disease, which affects 100,000 Americans. And I don't know if you've ever known someone that suffers from sickle cell. It is a painful disease. Mm. And that they could help people with this is, is pretty amazing. This uh, CRISPR Therapeutics was co-developed that this treat this treatment it'll cost two point two million dollars per patient. Whoa! Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if it's cover will be covered by insurance. Yeah, I hope the insurance is covering on that. I would think I so. I can imagine that a gene editing thera uh, therapy, the first of its kind, yeah. would be expensive. $2.2 million to not suffer from that disease anymore. I hate that we have to put a monetary price on stuff like that. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think stuff um, like that should be covered by insurance. I, I don't want people suffering like that. Yeah. Take it but, out. Of my, uh, take it out of here my we check. go. This is a, a new development in the U.S. So, um, okay, let's jump into it because we have these four goats that were rescued from a Tennessee mountain lodge. Not just and I love one a good... goat, not two goats, not three goats, four, four goats. goats. Gotta love a goat rescue. Bring it on. Yeah, so this video is uh, silent, so we'll have to narrate it, but this is okay. uh, pretty cool. Check this out. So they've yeah. got this repelling gear. And they're off the side. Look, they've got a white goat all harnessed up. See, I thought goats were, you know, it, pick a mountain and they're able to handle it. Yeah, they have their limits. Uh, I guess so. Got, they, what they have here is a situation. <laughs> they were stuck on this mountain ledge for yeah, about this, two weeks. Look at this brown goat. Oh, Yeah. And so really they went to great lengths to re to rescue these goats. This is a the ridge of Signal Mountain in Tennessee Residents reported these these goats were trapped. They, again, were there, they think, for about two weeks. So they got the climbing equipment. They reached them. And it looks like the goats are okay. So all is well that ends well in the goat territory. Very cool. We have video mm -hmm. for all four animal Look stories at us today. Right yeah, on. You're welcome. Police in New Jersey engaged in a brief foot chase <laughs> with an unusual fugitive, a pig named Albert Einschwein. Get this is it? hilarious. I love Albert this. Einstein. I mean, the, the name of the pig alone makes the whole story. The Deptford Township Police said in a Facebook post uh, that officers responded to the Tanyard Road and Brenner Drive area on a report of a loose pig. Video shared by the department shows an officer chasing the pig into the road while trying to get a rope around the animal's neck. We're all friends here, an officer tells the pig in the footage. <laughs> Ready to check it out here? It yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to get the rope around the pig's head, and the pig is out into the street. Albert this, Einstein, what are you doing? Well, he's smart. You know, he's four years old. A, they posted a picture on Facebook of him with a, a kind of a rope around his neck, like they finally leashed him, yeah. you know, and saying they got him in custody. So that's pretty funny. Sometimes the jokes just write themselves, according to the department. Uh, Albert was returned to his owner. He's a smart guy. He knew how to get out. We we deal with the turkeys a lot in Petaluma. As a matter of fact, at my uh, children's pediatrician's office, there's a group of them that live in the pediatrician's parking lot. And I've been, we've been in the oh, car. Oh, these are actual turkeys, not fellow parents. Real tur no, real <laughs> turkeys. And they'll peck at your tires as you try to drive away. And you, oh, don't, wow. you wouldn't want to hit any of them. So then you stop right. and then they're attacking the car. Kind of very territorial. So this next one doesn't surprise me. This is a traffic blocking turkey. But... Despite causing confusion and delay, residents in this Michigan town love this turkey. Let's watch the video on this Yeah, this one. is a full uh, kind of report. It's kind of cut up. Mm -hmm. What you should know is there was a, a prior turkey similar to this turkey named Gary, right? <laughs> and Gary was like a celebrity and there was like a Facebook page and everybody was celebrating Gary. Gary passed away. So this is a new turkey. So keep that this in mind. This is Gary. They call him Gary Jr. 
Yeah, and you'll see why yeah. I let this go long because it's kind of hilarious local news. As the go. sun rises each day on the intersection of Kalamazoo and 52nd in Kentwood, a certain turkey-necked individual wakes up from his slumber in the trees and comes down to go about his day. Black, Yeah, I said black. Turkeys roost in their trees at night, but once it's daylight, Gary can be anywhere. This is Gary Jr. He gets the junior from this fella, the original Gary the turkey. Gary was a humorous bird, stopping traffic, getting chased by a pit bull puppy in the middle of an intersection. Initially, the group didn't know what to call the new bird. So I created a poll and had it running for about a week, and it came down to that Gary Jr. was the, was the top vote. Officially christened Gary Jr., people fell in love all over again. He's following in his footsteps, same antics of stopping traffic, um, chasing cars, um, blocking people from getting out of their driveways. While Kathy hasn't yet had a chance to meet Gary Jr. in person, she knows exactly what she'll say when they finally do cross paths. Here it goes. <laughs> When you're out and about running errands or coming to and from work or school, it's like you want to know like if you're going to have a Gary sighting today or not. Just slow down and enjoy life. She seems really Gary happy. Yeah. And that reporter, yeah. this small town reporter is putting his reel together for another job. Taking this very what, seriously. What cracks me up is the dramatic pause. You yes. know, and so they named him. Gary Jr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good stuff, though. Um, there's this sea otter pup found alone in Alaska, but yeah. apparently now has a new home at an aquarium in Chicago. So thank goodness for that. This eight-week-old arrival from Alaska is now feasting on ice chips and being taken care of at the Shed Aquarium. They are still trying to name this little one, but he was found alone and malnourished in the remote town of Seldovia, Alaska in October and taken to Alaska's Sea Life Center in Seward. Uh, now, though, he's in Chicago because it's only one of the very few facilities in the U.S. with the resources to care for rescued otters. Do we have video of this one too? Yes, we do. Okay. So this pup was actually seen out in a remote area of Alaska. Didn't see any mother in sight, and they actually saw a male sea otter messing with it a little bit, bringing it underwater a little bit. So they knew it was time was of the essence to try to be able to save this little guy. We have a team of staff that are helping round the clock. Caring for a little otter pup is just like caring for an infant. So he gets fed every few hours. We're in essence playing the role of the mother. We're helping to feed it. We are also grooming it regularly to help it get that nice, full, fluffy coat. He gets some formula. So we have um, some puppy, actually, formula that we blend with um, electrolytes and then also some um, clam. He also is eating solid food, but they're very, very tiny pieces. So this is some surf clam. He has several milestones he needs to still mate. He needs to not be drinking a bottle anymore, get a little bit more um, bigger in size, also eating more diet, so those sort of things before he's ready to meet the other otters.
Yeah, they have to be careful with those otters that they don't love people too much. You know, the way yeah, they and feed in them this case, it's it's too stay late. Away from them, it, it's yeah. too late. Like he he's he's got the human life because he's already used to them. But what's oh. really interesting, they had to teach him how to um, take care of himself, how to clean himself, and uh, they mentioned in the story how many hairs per square inch they have. Seven hundred thousand. Wow. Seven hundred thousand hair follicles per square inch and so you can imagine how easy it is to get matted so they have to teach him how to groom himself yeah all right well i have i have another story for you you know how i love a good uh master's painting found in some random location right sometimes they have demons here sometimes they do and here it comes again this is a painting that was valued at $15,000. Turns out they thought it was um, one of the kind of disciples of Rembrandt, one of the people he mentored. Mm-hmm. No, it yeah. turns out it is a Rembrandt. So um, look at this. This painting two years ago, it sold, uh, it was valued at $15,000. Now it's fetching. million at a Sotheby's auction after being identified as the work of the Dutch master Rembrandt. It's called Adoration of the Kings. It had been unseen just about until the 1950s when it first came to light. It was acquired by someone in Amsterdam in 1955. Then his widow sold it to a German family in 1985. And that is where it remained until it was sold by Christie's in Amsterdam two years ago. And at that point, they didn't know exactly what they had in their hands. At the time of that sale, they thought that it was someone in the circle of Rembrandt that painted this. Then maybe a student or an artist close to him. But that is not the case. They used some technology to find out. They used x-rays and infrared imaging, uh, as well as having discussions Demon with scanners. leading... That's what they are. Yes. Uh, they talked to Rembrandt scholars. And so now they're concluding that this is actually an autograph work by Rembrandt. And now... It is being sold for gajillions and gajillions and gajillions. What did I say? $13.8 million after just two years ago being sold for 15000 They think it's significant, especially for the, the art world and their understanding of Rembrandt, because it's a crucial date in his development and career in which he, which he was very ambitious and still developing as an artist. So it may not look like a traditional Rembrandt to you, but they know that at this stage of his career, this um, with multiple people in it, because usually it's just one subject, yeah. this now they're, they're sure is a, is a Rembrandt. Um, the earliest reference to this painting is in 1714 when it was in the possession of a collector in Amsterdam. Then it was sold in 1814, 100 years later, and again in 1822. And then it disappeared from view until the mid-20th century. Uh, It's interesting how this happens to paintings that are so significant and that should be seen by so many people, how they end up in these private collections. And then, you know, we don't get to see them until they pop up like this again. Well, start saving up for your new uh, painting. Thanks to Woo-hoo! Doug. Thank you, Doug, for the $5 super sticker. Happy Friday to you. Aloha. Thank you, Doug Koch. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, big thanks. Uh, the next story 
Yeah. Uh, because we have more than one story. We do. Mm. Uh, is about babies. And Little this is babies. kind of interesting. Babies. Yeah. Babies, apparently, do not fall for an illusion that fool, fools older children, according to a study. Uh, experts say findings of dot tests are down to information processing not yet being fully developed. Right? So the information processing of the brain is not developed yet so that the babies don't f- fall for it. Uh, they babies really do see the world differently, according to researchers, after revealing that those under six months uh, old do not fall for a visual illusion that can trick older children and adults. Experts say this is because the information processing in the tots brains is not fully developed, which means that they make different assumptions about what they see. A writing in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society B, which I know you're subscribed to. Researchers in Japan report how they showed a screen featuring red and green dots to infants aged five to eight months. Dots of one color moved upwards in the center, but downwards on the right and left, while dots of of the other color showed the reverse motion. When adults look at the center of the screen, a visual illusion occurs. The red dots all appear to be moving in one direction and the green dots in in the other. To to explore whether this also occurs for infants, the team presented children with a screen with dots of just one color. Uh, These either all moved in the same direction or moved in one direction in the center and opposite in the others, other on the sides. Data from 40 infants revealed that the younger than six months old uh, babies spent longer looking at the screen when the dots all moved in the same direction, while older infants spent longer looking at the screen when the dots moved in both directions. As infants tend to look longer at unfamiliar things, experts say the results suggest the older infants perceive the initial illusion, but not the younger ones. So I thought what that the babies are really cool. thinking is, why are you showing me all these dots? Knock yeah, it off. I want milk. I want milk. I'm hungry. Some <laughs> funny uh, texts that are uh, chats that we got in. Uh, Michael says regarding the otter story, wait for it. Stop grooming our otters. Um, And then we have B.W. Rock. I was thinking this, too. You know, the otter really wanted to be sent to the Monterey Bay Aquarium for some nice, mild temperatures, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're indoors. He'll be okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's talk about this fight that escalated on this plane. You know, sometimes, I guess, you can't help where where a disagreement breaks out Mm -hmm. but in polite society usually you find a way to handle it or you know put a fork in it until you can get somewhere private and work things out if you get on a plane just sit down eat your food shut up that's right just put your head down even if someone's annoying you or your significant other whatever it is this man (laughs) and he even knew it was wrong because he stood up and apologized to everybody Amid his arrest on a Florida flight, we should have had it in Florida, for an alleged bomb threat during an argument with another passenger. It happened on a Breeze Airways flight, which was departing Orlando for Providence, Rhode Island. Never Breeze. Heard of that. Have you? No, no. Maybe it's a, uh, um, a budget airline. I don't know. Well, with a name like Breeze. Two people were arrested. After this flight from Florida was diverted over a bomb threat made during an argument between two passengers, they had to make an emergency stop at the Jacksonville International Airport because of this. Passengers say right before the flight what, told to pick off, up some more alcohol. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Right before <laughs> the flight took off, a man and a woman were fighting, and one of them wanted to get off the plane. I can't sit next to you. I just want to get off this plane. Apparently, as the flight continued midair, the word bomb 
was allegedly used by one or both of the suspects. Once the flight completed the emergency landing in Jacksonville, the man and the woman were arrested on the plane. Video footage of the arrest showed the man apologizing to everyone while he was cuffed. Ladies and gentlemen, I apologize for messing up your travel plans, he said. The FBI is investigating. Can you imagine fighting with your significant other and because you want to get off, you raise your voice and use the word bomb and you scare the holy bejesus out of all these people on this flight? Come on. Not cool. Not cool at all. Not cool at all. Well, let's stay up in the sky. Okay. This next story, I think you will appreciate. Uh, I think most of the women in the audience will appreciate this. <laughs> Almost half of the men surveyed think they could land a passenger plane. What? But funny enough, experts disagree. <laughs> you are not Harrison were. Ford in Air Force One, okay? I think the experts were the women in the audience. Um, you, or, you are I not an actor in Hollywood. This is not something you can do. Picture I this. How, I love how confident men are, though, you know? Uh, well, not all of them. All of us. Hmm. Uh, picture this. You're nestled comfortably in your seat, cruising towards your travel destination when a flight attendant's voice breaks through the silence. Ladies and gentlemen, both pilots are incapacitated. Are there any passengers who could land this plane with assistance from air traffic control? If you think you can manage it, you're not alone. Survey results published in January indicate about one third of adult Adult Americans think they could safely land a passenger plane <laughs> with air traffic controls guidance. Among male respondents, the confidence level rose to nearly 50%. Uh, wow. Can a person with no prior training simply guide everyone to a smooth touchdown? No. I'm thinking all these guys are thinking, well, I've played, I played video games my whole life. I play, uh, I've seen it in movies. I could pull it off. We've all heard stories of passengers who saved the day when the pilot became unresponsive. For instance, last year's Darren... Darren Hunt Harrison managed to land a twin-engine aircraft in Florida after the pilot passed out with the guidance of air traffic control, who also happened to be a flight instructor. That's a good person to have. However, such incidents tend to take place in small, simple aircraft. Flying a much bigger and heavier commercial jet is a completely different game. You can't always rely on autopilot. A pilot spends about 90% of their time monitoring autopilot systems and making sure everything's working as intended. The other 10% is spent managing problems, taxiing, taking off, and landing. Takeoffs and landings are arguably the most difficult uh, tasks pilots perform. I don't know if you have to argue about that. And are always performed manually. Only on very few occasions and in a handful of aircraft models can a pilot use autopilot to land the aircraft for them. This is the exception and not the rule. Um, although I, I would think it'd be a good thing to have installed for emergencies, right? <laughs> for, for takeoff, the aircraft must build up speed until the wings can generate enough lift to pull up into the air. Uh, the pilot must pay close attention to multiple instruments and external cues while keeping the aircraft centered on the runway until the re it reaches liftoff speed. Once airborne, they must coordinate with air traffic control, follow a particular path, retract the landing gear, maintain precise speed and direction while trying to climb. Landing is even more complicated and requires having precise control of the aircraft's mm -hmm. direction and descent rate. To land successfully, a pilot must keep an appropriate speed while simultaneously managing gear and flap configuration, adhering to air traffic regulations, communicating with air traffic control, and completing a number of paper and digital checklists. Once Eric aircraft... thinks he could do it. Eric says, <laughs> yeah. He's played some of the old flight simulators. Right. He says he usually recalls and he'd end up ejecting at the end of the missions instead of managing to land. But, Once yeah. the aircraft comes to a, uh, close to the runway, they must accurately judge its height, reduce power, adjust the rate of descent, mm -hmm. ensuring that they land on the correct area of the runway and then once you're on the ground you have to use your brakes and reverse thrust to bring the aircraft yeah. to a complete stop it's a little uh, more complicated you know, than you think there yeah. are processes protocols and standards 
Yeah. No, no. But, you know, the confidence level is pretty funny, I think. Um, let's talk about McDonald's. I, yeah, you we put have a all whole these, entire McDonald's a, section. We have a McDonald's section. Well, first of all, they're expanding and they're expanding really, really fast. So are their too. customers. <laughs> I guess so. That would make perfect sense. McDonald's is set to open nearly 9,000 new restaurants worldwide by 2027. Ugh. And you might think, what? Isn't there oh, already my. a McDonald's in every city? Well, this is across the world. They want to put 9,000 restaurants across the globe by 2027. It'll bring the number of McDonald's to about 50,000. As of September, they had 41,000. So they're going to get 50,000. They're going to get up to that number. About 2,000 of these will open in North America, Europe, and Australia. The 7,000 remaining, half of them will open in China. So they're really expanding in China. And the executive vice president in McDonald's says this is going to be the fastest growth in the history of McDonald's. It I guess this them- is the military response to China. Right. Open up in China and get them all we'll bring McDonald's to you. That's right. Yeah. That's how we get it, them. It took 33 years for them to get their first 10,000 stores. So they're going to do 9,000 stores by 2027. That's fast. Really fast. The reason they're opening more stores to meet customer demand, they say. Really? All right. I don't know. But that's not all they're doing at McDonald's. Yeah, step two here. McDonald's is partnering with Google to expand the use of artificial intelligence for drive through and mobile orders and to help develop its new Ask Pickles chatbot to help employees troubleshoot problems. We were an early adopter and pioneer in AI, according to uh, Brian Rice, McDonald's Global Chief Information Officer, during the company's annual investor day at the company's headquarters in Chicago. The burger chain already uses AI to take customer orders at 100 drive throughs across the United States. Did you know that? No. I think I missed that story. The new partnership with McDonald's uh, access to Google's generative AI and data collection tools, as well as its cloud computing software to power drive through and mobile ordering platforms, uh, executives said. Um, this is what it will give access to. Google will also get to access whatever uh, data McDonald's collects. Oh, great. So <laughs> Google, Google will be tracking you by how many cheeseburgers you eat. McDonald's uh, chief marketing officer outlined the importance of collecting customer data through apps and loyalty programs. We know their go-to order and when they like to visit. Having that information, McDonald's can feature the food that they prefer and nudge them at the right time to order. Oh, man. The restaurant chain will decide whether or not to expand the uh, use of AI by the end of 2024. Ugh, this Hmm. is all disturbing. Interesting. Well, something else at McDonald's, they call it Cosmix. Yep. Yeah. Cosmix is coming and they want it to be a competitor to Starbucks. This is a new cafe pilot. Over the summer, McDonald's teased the test of a new restaurant concept. Now we know that it is named for a little-known McDonald's character, which is an alien. Cosmix is a small-format concept with what they say is all the DNA of a McDonald's, but its own unique personality. This cafe pilot is their answer to Starbucks. Um, I... I don't know if you need this if Starbucks already has this market cornered. You have Starbucks, you have Pete's. Do we need a Cosmix? And have you tasted McDonald's coffee? Because it's not very good. I think they should have spent more time on the name. Hmm. Uh, who is Cosmic? Originally appearing in McDonald's marketing materials from the late 18- 1980s through 1990s. I don't remember him, do you? No, I don't Cosmic. know. Cosmic. So it's C O S M C, like Mick. 
Oh, you can see in the sign there. Cosmic was described in vintage McDonald's manual as a six-armed six outer space alien who's part vehicle, part creature, who with, with coiled spring-like antennae. His vehicle component is described as a round Sputnik-like object. He can retract his head and arms into his vehicle's component when he isn't using them to grab things, say, like mm -hmm. McDonald's snacks or to blurt out cheerful quips. He rocks blue shorts on his legs and matching sleeves on his arms along with sweet throwback kicks. He speaks in a hip, a unique mixture of earth slang, both old and new, and electronic sounds. Beep, beep, boop, 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 boop. It looks it, like, Cosmics, to me, looks like a futuristic McDonald's. Yeah, they say his personality is jovial and friendly. He even talks to plants, and uh, he has Amelia Bedelia-like tendencies mm. to t take language very literally. If he were an Earthling, he might be a, have been a theater kid or a TikTok star because he loves hmm. to dance, perform, skate, and fly. This just seems really stupid. Yeah, it does to me too. I don't know, but here's what they're doing with Cosmics. Here's what they're doing with Cosmics. They are uh, trying to get people to go there like people go to Starbucks in the afternoon. So they're doing a bunch of sweet drinks. They have a churro frappe. Oh, right, because McDonald's isn't making people fat enough. Mm -hmm. They have a s'mores cold Hey, brew. Starbucks, that's our game. They have a chai frappe burst. <laughs> Other customizable beverages. They're focusing on cold, sweet beverages that can be modified to taste. Uh, we know that cold drinks make up the majority of Starbucks sales in November. Starbucks said that high-priced lattes and customized drinks help lift it to uh, their quarter, help lift the coffee chain sales in the, the quarter ending in October. They're warning people, maybe don't get too excited about this yet if you were excited because it really is just a test. There's one location in Bolinbrook, Illinois. Later this week, uh, they plan to open nine more locations all in Texas. So we'll have to wait a while. Until so how long before cosmics. it all closes down? <clears throat> you taking bets? Hmm. Uh, they're investing in nine more. I'm going to say at least two years. Yeah, I was going to say two years. Within two years, I think this will be gone. I'll take or my Coachella be, Valley the, coffee tea is what I'll at take. At least the name will be changed. Like, why would you name an entire new store like on it. some obscure alien mm -hmm. character that has nothing to do with coffee? It just doesn't make any sense. And uh, as a former employee, I, um, I I do not approve. Well, they say they haven't realized their Stick global potential with the McCafe and they're ready to roll. So there you they go. Should have, they should have had Grimace do it. I'd, I'd, I'm more down to hang out with Grimace. That's your um, McDonald's news for the day. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Mm -hmm. We weren't loving it. No. Nope. Uh, this next story you might like or you might find disgusting. OnlyFans star. Now, we had this in uh, yesterday's uh, show and we didn't get to it. An OnlyFans star has been banned from a hardware store chain. Cops come to her door over a saucy video that was shot inside. Uh, we don't have she, the video. She but she taking off her underwear in the middle yeah, of the store? We have mm. screenshots here. So she says she's just doing the Lord's work by leaving hardworking dads special gifts. So in the video, this is a screenshot. You can see she's taking off her panties and she's putting them in strategically placing them throughout the store. It looks like a Home Depot or something like that. Uh, when Layla Kelly, Kelly spotted two policemen standing at her front door, her heart dropped. The 33-year-old says she was told by the pair that they have to have a very serious talk. I instantly thought, yeah. oh, my God, someone's died. Um, the Wellington, New Zealand mom told uh, news.com. So she's, uh, a, she's a Kiwi. My heart dropped and I started panicking. I thought for sure something absolutely horrible had happened. They took a very stern, they had a very stern look on their fa faces and they told me that they needed to talk about something serious. My main, mind was absolutely racing. After preparing for the worst possible news, she felt a weight lift off 
uh, after the cops confirmed that their visit had nothing to do with anyone dying. In what she describes as a bizarre twist, they were there to talk to her about one of her videos that had recently gone viral on social media. I was so confused. I just stared at them. I couldn't understand what would have happened. Why are the cops at my door over a video? It didn't make any sense. Never expected what they were going to tell me. The two cops had been sent to Kelly's house to talk about a playful video she had filmed at a nearby Bunnings hardware store weeks earlier. As a popular pornographic film star, she explained, she uses social media to hook new views and advertise her profile on the subscription-based adult well, content site OnlyFans. I don't know if it's I don't illegal in, in New Zealand or Australia, but isn't it legal here in America to take your underwear off in public? Uh, I don't think it has to do with that. I think it has to do with the fact that she's putting it in the store. She's Well, so that would be, you'd be charged with what, littering? You're putting your dirty, dirty panties? No, I wouldn't think that's against the law. I mean, it's gross, but I don't know if it's against the law. In, in America, I could walk out there and take my underwear off and stick it in the, you know, on the shelf at Target. I'm sure people do. That's gross, but they do. Uh, it rapidly went viral, racking over 15 million views. She explained that this was simply meant to be a funny joke and assured she did not leave any pair of underwear actually inside the store. That's oh. what she's saying. She's saying it was a prop for the video. Uh, you can't believe everything you see online. I wouldn't leave my underwear for free. For free like well, that. For free. <laughs> I would <laughs> no, charge, charge you for you. that. Um, yeah. But she had to sign several trespass notices that stated that she would be met with a hefty fine up to $6,000 if she visited any of the Bunnings stores in Wellington over the oh. next two years. So... She was told by Banned the store that they, they wanted her out. Um, she claims to have made $196,180 in the last 12 months selling adult content. Her biggest month had $29,427 coming her way. I, w I wasn't hurting anyone. And when we filmed it, we made sure nobody else was around. Uh, we never exposed ourselves or, or anything. I don't understand why this whole thing needs to be so dramatic. <laughs> dramatic. I don't either, ma'am. I don't either. I don't want attention. She's like uh, well, Megan and Harry. From uh, OnlyFans to Disney, that's quite a transition. But Disney's latest thing they're doing, their latest They adventure, also want to make money. Yeah, hand over fist, and they are, is not a theme park they're doing or a movie, but a residential community based in North Carolina. It's called Asteria. And some people in this community in North Carolina think this is a little creepy, like maybe something out of a dystopian novel. It's in Pittsburgh, Chatham County, right outside of Raleigh, Durham, uh, Chapel Hill. Asteria is the brainchild of Story Living by Disney, which is a Walt Disney com company initiative. It is the second Disney-themed community in the works in the U.S. The first was in Rancho Mirage, California. But Asteria is trying to... Um, they, well, they have the collaboration of Disney's legendary Imagineers and DMB development. They want to create a community inspired by Disney's innate curiosity and passion for learning, spanning 1,500 acres. It will feature neighborhood parks, walking paths, and bike trails. Homeowners in Asteria will get access to an exclusive club with amenities, programs designed to foster learning and connections. <laughs> They get a wellness and recreation center, a restaurant, sports courts, swimming pools, community garden. 
to Out of Touch of Disney. The activities and storytelling dinners inspired by brand classics will be part of this community experience. Asteria is named after the state's aster flower and the Greek goddess Asteria. The community plans to house more than 4,000 residential units from single-family to multi-family homes. And some of them will be for age 55 and older. They think that some of the houses will be complete by 2027. People in North Carolina, though, not sure. One person said, not going to lie, I have no idea what to make of this. It sounds interesting, but somehow slightly dystopian at the same time. I don't know. I think that's uh, going to get old really fast. Didn't they try that with Celebration Florida? It was a master plan community as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then there's there. another one I think called Golden Oak that's like a high-end resort oh. living situation outside of Disney World. Yeah, I thought there <sighs> was one on. in Southern in Southern California. Maybe Do you want your entire life to be Disney? Disney, 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 everything. Cha-ching. The homes in, in this Asteria range from the upper $1 million to the lower $2 million price bracket. <laughs> really? Yikes. No, no, no. I think it's no, time for a break. You. Yeah. Let's take a little breaky break on the After Party Live. And when we come back, an interesting story John Daly has uncovered. Very interesting. Perhaps exercise might not be the key to living longer. Perhaps exercise will make you age faster. Wait a minute. That goes against everything we've ever been told. Better get to McDonald's. Live it up. Better get your s'mores frappuccino immediately. We'll be right back on the After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. And aloha specifically to Deidre, likely listening from Maui today. Huge thank you to ongoing contributors Julie D. and Susan D. We couldn't do it without you, and we really, really appreciate your help with this show. And to Cindy for $10 and for Doug for $5. Thank Thank you you so much. If everyone who wasn't contributing contributed five bucks a month, we'd be good to go. So if you've already contributed, thank you so much. And if you're thinking about it, now would be a great time. We don't have any tote bags, but um, we don't have it. We have our things. I was trying to design a T-shirt. I was so excited about that logo. I really like our logo a lot. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to design a T-shirt, but I haven't done that. I haven't done it. All right. Tell me why I don't need to exercise again. (laughs) This is what you want to hear, right? (laughs) This is what I'm interested in. Yeah. You don't care about health. You just care about like less, uh, less uh, effort, right? Survival of the fittest. Maybe exercise might not be the key to longevity, according to new research. In fact, too much moving around could even be accelerating the aging process in our bodies, according to Scandinavian scientists. They're really really fit and smart. The ambitious study on the oft-discussed subject has yet to be peer-reviewed. Keep that in mind. But recently won a National Sports Medicine Prize in Finland, where the research was conducted over a 45-year period. Multiple studies have previously confirmed that those who exercise more live longer and healthier lives. This time, however... Yes. I was going to say, yeah, that's right. That's what we've yep. always been told, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh-huh. I was agreeing. I that's was a, right. It was a hallelujah, mm-hmm. amen. You're that's like my hype woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's this, right. This time, however, researchers <laughs> at the University of, oh, Jesus Christ. 
found that physical activity might just be a small part of a larger picture and in some cases might be uh, have negative health impacts, actually. Oh, look at that. Yeah. The participants self-reported the time and intensity of their daily physical activity and were categorized in four groups, sedentary, moderately active, active, and highly active. Overall, they found that those who exercised the least were about 20% more likely to die over the 45 years than those who were regularly active. However, when they filtered for lifestyle factors, including education, uh, body mass index, smoking, and alcohol consumption, mm -hmm. willing to make my lunch, alcohol is involved, the number dropped significantly. Uh, then those in the sedentary group were only 7% more likely to die compared to those in the active group with no additional benefits provided by mm -hmm. higher levels of exercise. As the age-old saying goes, everything in moderation, the study showed mm -hmm. that biological aging accelerated for those who exercised too little and too much. Uh, those who uh, were the most physically active were about 1.8 years, quote, older than those who did a more modest amount of physical activity. The researchers concluded that those who exercise may not live longer because of their workouts, but because they generally live healthier lives. Yeah. While the amount of time that each group was active was not immediately apparent, the WHO recommends that all adults age 18 to 64 should do at least 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic physical activity or 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity aerobic physical activity per week. There hmm. you go. Uh, it's interesting, though, you know, that it's not the only thing that we should use to calculate, right? Yeah, I say just get yeah. up and move. Get up and move. If you don't your use body it, can kinda, you lose it. Your body can kind of tell when you're being, you know, sedentary and blah. Karen with a $20 super sticker. Karen Kleiner, thank you. And I love the picture of your kitty. Thank you so much. Really yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Happy Friday to you and happy holidays as well. Thank you for that. Um, okay, let's talk about spiders. I don't like to talk about it, but I feel like we oh, need no. to. We've heard of these people that have this extraordinary fear and in order to overcome this fear that paralyzes them, they do that thing which they're the most scared of. Well, that's what's happening with this woman in Colorado who has decided to adopt more than five dozen pet tarantulas because she was so freaked out over them that she mm. decided this was going to be a good thing. And I hate to do this to you guys to show you this picture of this tarantula but you know what? It must yeah, be done. So we'll only look at it for a couple of minutes. Liz Lopez now has 68 spider friends living with her in her Colorado home. <laughs> she went from I hate spiders to I'm going to have them all over the place. She had extreme arachnophobia, chose to face that fear head on. That and seems a little extreme. Doesn't you really it? Need that many? She said, I wanted to overcome my fear. Of course, I did research, plenty of research first before buying one. In the past three years, she's become the owner of 68 pet tarantulas, and she says she's actually fond of each one of them. She said, they're just so shy, and it really did give me a completely different look to them. Mm. Well, we know how you like, um, you like uh, <laughs> little creepy crawlies to crawl into your ear at night. Gross! What became a fear turned into a complete passion. Just knowing there's Obsession. so many different types from all over the world. Compulsion. So many different colors and patterns and sizes, she added. There's dwarfs when you have your Goliath bird eaters, and they're, they're so incredible and so beautiful. Seek therapy. 
well, she's gone from an arachnophobe to now teaching classes about caring for tarantula. She said, I don't expect everyone to love them or have a care for them, but do respect them. And if you ever see them, just leave them alone because they have a major role to play in our ecosystem. Yeah, she overdid it, Mario. <laughs> Completely. She probably won't have to worry about burglars. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. They're Maybe they're, con- I, hopefully they're contained and not just crawling everywhere. Yeah, not for me. Thank you. Nothing. Gross, yeah. gross, gross. Uh, we were talking Oprah? about weight loss. Yeah. We were talking about weight loss. And, you know, Oprah has dealt with this her whole adult life. Um, mm-hmm. She has wowed her fans as she shows off her slim frame after years of weight struggles. Oprah Winfrey has stunned her fans yet again with slimmer figure after stepping out onto another red carpet event. The popular television personality was seen pouring her curves into a fitted purple dress as she attended the premiere of her new movie, The Color Purple. Did they re-release it? They must um, have. I think they made it. Yeah, they made it again. They made it. Oh, okay. into, it say, might be a series. It might be a I'm like, series. Are we time traveling? It is 2023, right? Uh, Oprah, 69. There we go. Beamed as she posed for photos at the event, accentuating her glamorous look with her long hair and volumized waves and a dash of nude toned glamorous makeup to complete oh the look. Oh my God, really? The outing was one of several this week where she has been promoting the new release. Oprah is nominated for Best Actress in a Supporting Role in the 1986 Academy Awards for her role mm-hmm. as Sophia in the original version of the color purple um she's now co-produced the remake of the film with steven spielberg hit to hit uh, set to hit theaters on christmas day the star who has slimmed down considerably recently shared her thoughts on weight loss drugs like ozempic which is typically used to treat type 2 uh, diabetes mm-hmm. um speaking at the new york city panel for oprah's daily life uh, you want series back in september she said i don't know that there's another public person whose weight struggles have been exploited as much as mine one of the things I carried so much shame for, and even when I first started hearing about the weight loss drugs, at the same time I was going through my knee surgery and felt, I've got to do this on my own because if I take a drug, that's the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Um, she added, there's a part of me that feels like, I think a lot of people feel with bariatric surgery that I've got to do this the hard way. I've got to keep climbing the mountains. I've got to keep suffering and I've got to do that because otherwise I somehow cheated myself. So... My worry with all the Ozempic and all these weight loss drugs is we've seen drugs like this before. And then a year down the road, there's some type of, um, well, actually, it's not good for you because, and then they're pulled from the market. And so is there some unknown long-term damage people could do to themselves? And what's worse? You know, maybe hurting your heart with some type of medication because i remember there was a the last weight loss drug it was that was associated with a heart problem right right with the xenocal i I don't know if it's worth that because you you don't know if the drug is safe or not she says for those of us that are adipose stores no matter how many times you've all watched me diet and diet and diet and diet it's a recurring thing because my body always seems to want to go back to a certain weight Mm -hmm. um and there's something to that genetically i think yeah but um it's, it's a confluence of different things. People do overeat. And if you never stop eating, you don't give your body the chance to go into a caloric deficit. So, uh, but there are limits, right? Let's talk about uh, Hugh, Hugh Grant. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. Did I skip ahead? I did. I'm sorry. My bad. Let's yeah. uh, put, let's put a, a pin in Hugh for a minute. We'll get I bet you want to put a pin in Hugh. Norman. Norman Lear. Norman Lear's family. This is so touching. He passed away at the age of, how old was he, 101 years old? Yeah, 101. And as he died, he was surrounded by family. 
and they serenaded him with the songs from his classic shows in his final moments. Oh, that's nice. So some of the last things he heard were the songs that he made into these famous, iconic things. Um, Their family was singing as he died. They were gathered around the bed. He was resting peacefully. They said they said they did what he they knew he would want them to do. So they were singing songs from Les Mis and some of the songs from his TV shows on the family, Maud, Good Times, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, the Jeffersons. Les Mis was his? Was his? No, that was just I think that was oh, just okay. one of the ones he was thinking. Oh, okay. Um they said you never know when these moments are going to sneak up on you but when we started singing moving on up to the east side from the jeffersons and i heard myself saying to a deluxe apartment in the sky i just lost it because he's going to some deluxe apartment in the sky uh Mm -hmm. they were asked about how he's previously said that they wanted to give lear a soft landing for the plane they wanted to give him a gentle landing so he'd have no pain and they, the family member saying, if you were to say to someone in their 40s, how do you want to die? They might say, at age 101, surrounded by loved ones with them singing to me and laughing without any pain. And that is exactly what happened. Man. Very cool. This mm-hmm. next story is very interesting. Elijah Wood and other actors were duped into making Russian propaganda videos on Cameo. Oh, no. Yeah, an app where mid-level celebrities... <laughs> I'm sure Elijah Wood loves the... Uh, the uh, level being, yeah. being yeah, lumped into mid-level celebrities. But, I mean, he did it. He did it himself. Mm-hmm. Can um, They say they can make money by carrying out the instructions of a total stranger via selfie video. What could possibly go wrong? Elijah Wood, okay, they admit here, Lord of the Rings star is above mid. Dean Norris of Breaking Bad, Kate Flannery of The Office, Priscilla Presley from Naked Gun, Scrubs Curmudgeon, John McGinley found out the answer the hard way this summer. Beginning in July, Russia-aligned influence actors have tricked celebrities into providing video messages that were then used in pro-Russian propaganda. The videos were then manipulated to falsely paint Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky as a drug addict. Okay, so that could go wrong. American actors and other celebrities, including musician Shavo Adagian, uh, were apparently asked to provide messages of support on Cameo um, to someone named Vladimir. The unwitting stars were instructed to plead for Vladimir to seek help for a substance abuse problem. IndieWire reached out to the reps for each of the actors. Only Flannery's publicist called back saying, Kate unequivocally unequivocally supports uh, Ukraine and her client is very upset by the misuse of her cameo. Wood's video opened with, hi, Vladimir, Elijah here, according to the New York Times, and ended with, I hope you can get the help you need. That one costs $340, um, the Lord of the Rings stars uh, going rate. Um, Wood's cameo page is now temporarily unavailable. Um, a Flannery cameo runs one hundred and ninety, Presley two hundred dollars, Norris two hundred and forty five, and McGinley four seventy five. Wow, that's pricey there. Uh I think I'd pay more for Elijah Wood than the guy from Scrubs. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. you know what sounds a whole lot like Vladimir, right? It's Vladimir. The videos were then modified to include emojis, links, and sometimes even logos of the media outlet TMZ. Those cuts were then put on social media to advance long standing false Russian claims that the Ukrainian leader struggles with substance abuse. Um, the report later adds Russian cyber and influence operators have demonstrated adaptability throughout the war in Ukraine, trying to gain new ways to gain battlefield advantage and sap Kiev's um, sources of domestic and external support. Um, but yeah, so mm. there you go. Um, and speaking of McDonald's and Elijah Wood, I did serve Elijah Wood a 20 piece chicken McNuggets when we were <laughs> in high school. He asked for a variety of sauces. He, his sister got a salad and he, 
uh, he waved a $20 bill around like he was rich, there which he go. was at that point. Now I didn't know who he was. I thought it was kind of funny. Now to Hugh Grant, who says... Oh, uh, you wanted to get yeah. to Hugh Grant. I did want to get to... I've been chomping at the bit uh, to get to Hugh Grant. He's in this new uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. Okay. And he was sent a picture by the director of a naked Oompa Loompa. What? He says, they kind of joke around. They said, you can't unsee it. It shocked his kids even. The film's director, Paul King, surprised him with this startling message that was meant to amuse Hugh Grant, but it really disturbed him. Quite early in the editing process, Paul King sent Hugh Grant a mock-up of the Oompa Loompa stark naked. He said, my little children were alarmed. But as King explained to People Magazine, the image was very delicately pixelated. There was nothing untoward, just something once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> the image came to be while he and the visual effects team were tweaking the details on this figure, including the color of the Oompa Loompa skin, the way the hair works, which meant a bare Oompa Loompa at that stage of animation. <laughs> he... King says, it's one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. If it well, ever leaks he, um, out. Since he was and, arrested with that prostitute. So oh, given no, his history. Well, the, the director says it's one of the most disturbing things. He says, a generation of children are going to be scared. Um, Grant hated playing an Oompa Loompa in this movie. I guess that that was his role. He um, He said, I made a big fuss about it. I couldn't have hated the whole thing more. Why did he do it then? He said, I have lots of children and I need the money. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's why. But apparently this is uh, quite the photo. So I just wanted yeah. to talk about naked Oompa Loompas. That's what I wanted to do today on the party. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. uh, next up, we have a story about Wikipedia. Are you, um, do you use Wikipedia? Sometimes, but you know, you have to take Wikipedia results with a grain of salt because anybody can type anything in there, right? Well, what you don't have to take with a grain of salt is their most viewed articles uh, of 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, remember when you searched what you searched for for 2023? Well, Wikipedia has the results. English Wikipedia raked in more than 84 billion views this year, according to numbers released by the Wikimedia Foundation. Um, since its launch over a year ago, OpenAI's chatbot has skyrocketed into the public, public consciousness and was the most popular article on Wikipedia last year. So that's uh, number one was chat GPD. Number two, um, uh, the second most read article on Wikipedia in 2023 was the annual list of deaths. Well, that's morbid, which sees mm -hmm. high traffic year after year, taking the number four and number one spots in 2022 and 2021, uh, respectively. Um, meanwhile, the highly anticipated 2023 Cricket World Cup took third place. Um, let's see, number four, Barbenheimer, Taylor Swift, and more also appeared to sway our 2023 internet reading habits. So here's the total, the complete list. Chat GPT, then deaths in 2023. Uh, 2023 cricket. Um, I'm sorry, number four was the Indian Premier League. Uh, number five was Oppenheimer. Number six was the Cricket World Cup. You can see the sports are up there. Seven was J. Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, number eight was Jawan, which was a film. Number nine, uh, again, more Indian uh, uh, soccer. Uh, number 10, Pathan, which was a film. And uh, number 11, coming in number 11, was The Last of Us. 
um, which is the TV show that you watched, and mm-hmm. twelve Taylor Swift. Number thirteen was Barbie. Fourteen I'm Cristiano Taylor was only twelve. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- number fourteen Cristiano uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. The number artist, fifteen yeah. uh, uh, the soccer player. Mm. Oh, okay. And number fifteen Lionel Messi. I guess he is an artist soccer as well. Player. Mm-hmm. And then more. So blah blah blah. Matthew Perry seventeen. Uh, United States eighteen. Elon Musk nineteen. I'll skip over a lot of this. The yeah. Russian invasion of Ukraine came in at number twenty four. Um, so there you go. Interesting. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the orange peel test. Have you heard of this before? No. The What's orange this? peel test. I don't know if I buy it, but apparently your relationship needs to pass the orange peel test. This is this thing gaining popularity on websites like TikTok and whatever. But it's called the orange peel theory. And it involves the idea that to understand your partner and your feelings, that it's based on your tendency to perform simple tasks for you, whether you ask them to do it or not, like peeling mm-hmm. an orange for you, right? So some videos So whether or not you surfaced, have your partner trained. I, that's what it sounds like. It sounds kind of ugly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, if it would it be nice if I said just say that we're in a relationship. And I said, gosh, I really feel like an orange. And then you peeled one and brought it over to me. That would be really sweet. But if I ask you to peel an orange for me, that seems a little like needy and manipulative. I don't I think know. Both just do. to I see... mean, if you expect it, then that's just as bad. Yeah. Just to see if you pass some test, right? I'm more about self-sufficiency. Cut your own orange. Right. I would agree. This involves <laughs> uh, people filming themselves, asking their partner to peel oranges for them, or requesting help with some task that you're very easily able to do by yourself. See, I think, Kim, you would have the eye-rolling test. (laughs) (laughs) The orange peel theory focuses on the idea that small acts of of service are not just about the action itself, but about what it represents in the relationship. According to this certified psychologist and applied neuroscientist, they signal care, love, and commitment, and repetition of the act that enhances the overall health and happiness of the relationship. These orange peel-style gestures, often simple and seemingly mundane, are in fact pivotal in nurturing a loving, supportive, and enduring relationship. It's the nuts and bolts of a relationship. I... I I have a problem, though, with asking someone to peel an orange for you and taping it to see if they do it just to see if they love you enough to do that for you. Yeah, you have other issues going on. That's different to me because if you say, you know, well, someone doesn't say they love me. So-and-so doesn't say they love me very much, but actions speak louder than words. And so they're showing their love for me and the things they do in the, you know, the ways that they, they treat me every single day then just open That's the car door one thing or what, whatever the car door test yeah yeah or hold the door open I, this bit's having respect and treating somebody with like you love them and you want you want their life to be better right i don't know so yeah, don't does your significant other peel an orange for you without you having to ask or because he or she knows how much the smell of the skin bothers you, for example, or does he or she complain about your constant asking when you do request a favor? The idea is we're all it sound, subconsciously it very in- infantile. It does. I don't need anybody and, cutting up my food. 
No, thank you. The idea <laughs> is that we're subconsciously seeking signals from our partner to reassure us of their affection. I've got signals a signal that for you. show us that they have an intimate knowledge of our likes and dislikes, and they're prepared to go out of their way to make us happy. Mm. Well, you know who is happy? Some uh, prospective uh, police officers. This is a police department in the north, uh, remote woods of Minnesota, in the town of Ely mm. or Eli. Uh, they face the same challenges of recruiting and keeping officers uh, as countless other law enforcement agencies across the country. So it has a unique offering. Get get, get ready for it. Okay. You might see the clue here in the in the photo. Canoes, yeah. canoes. This is a former mining and logging community that's best known as a gateway to the popular Boundary Waters canoe area. It will provide free Kevlar canoes worth thirty eight hundred dollars wow. to the next officers that it hires. Kevlar um, canoes, so they can't be shot at. <laughs> is, it lightweight, a, is it a canoe that you use in in the line of duty or is it a personal canoe that you get to take home uh, it's for them so okay. the lightweight craft made from the same strong synthetic fibers as bulletproof vests are perfect for paddling off into the nearby wilderness wilderness and exploring it uh the more than 1000 pristine lakes the department consisting of the chief and assistant chief and five slots for patrol officers has one uh opening now with another coming soon police chief chad uh hode uh, said he'd already had two calls expressing interest as of Thursday morning, and he's expecting at least several more because of the unusual offer. Lots of police departments hi offer hiring bonuses, he said. So he was looking for a way to stand out. At the suggestion of the assistant chief, they decided to leverage Eli's plentiful outdoor recreational opportunities. Uh, you can get done with a shift. Maybe it was a stressful shift. The best way to decompress, go out canoeing, hunting, or fishing. So uh, nice. if you're interested... Uh, you know, maybe this will uh, get you to move out of California. The bonus in the form of a canoe. I mean, what more could you want? <laughs> Head to I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, in California, we have this pretty cool story about a young man who took a, an interesting path to become an attorney. He is the youngest person to pass the California bar exam. His name is Peter Park. <clears throat> Not oh. Peter Parker. Okay. No, that's Spider-Man. Peter Park. He's from Tulare. He broke the previous record of being what, the youngest person. What else are you going to do out there but study for the bar? Pass the bar exam, exactly. The previous record holder was 18. He's 17. Oh. Um, Peter wow, Park 18-year-old's a real loser now. It wasn't easy, but it was worth it. It required discipline and strategy, but I made it in the end, says Peter Park, and I'm extremely blessed to have discovered this path. My hope is, he writes, that more people will realize there's an alternative path that exists to becoming an attorney. <clears throat> Pardon me. So here's what he did. Age 13, he starts high school, and while when he, he starts high school, he simultaneously enrolls in a four-year Juris Doctor program at Northwestern California University School of Law. So as a freshman in high school, he's going to high school and law school at the same time. What happened to getting your bachelor's degree, you ask? He didn't have to. Park graduated from high school this year and from law school, and he is now a law clerk with the Tulare County District Attorney. I aspire, he writes, to become a prosecutor because I am driven by a moral obligation to uphold liberty, equality, and justice in society. I admire how prosecutors keep our community safe and bring closure to our victims. So here's my question. At 17 years old, 18 years oldish, do you have the life experience 
Because, you know, there's a subjective aspect to the application of law, right? It's, you want to think it's black and white, but sometimes there's a little more going on there. And I wonder if he has enough life experience to make this career, to be, to operate the same way as someone that's maybe in their mid-20s, that's maybe seen a little more, been around a little more. I don't know. He's fresh out of high school well, and he any, skipped the any whole young college experience. going to be lacking the experience. He's got to work with other people to to get that experience. It depends on the, the type, type of law. So if he's like reviewing yeah. contracts. He's going to be know. a prosecutor. He's going to work with the prosecutor's office. Well, I mean, he's going to have the tutelage then of the, the prosecutor. So yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I was surprised. And I know there was a Kardashian, right? Was it Kim Kardashian that didn't go to law school, but she was working with some type of uh, mentor? I thought she did to... go to law school. And no, she skipped it. And she was working at a law office and getting the experience. And you can do that instead and then take the, the bar. Oh, you don't have to go to law school? I don't think so. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, but it's a roundabout way to do it. And this seems that. like it too, where you could, I've never heard of not having to get one degree before you get the next. Yeah, it's called reading the law or apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, yeah. In of this course case, he, didn't go to school. he went to law school, right? He right. just did it while he was going to high school and skipped the whole college experience. So I don't know. Yeah. Interesting though. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well done, well, Peter Parker. It's the end of another after party. Happy Friday, everybody. Thank you to our supporters. We're so grateful for your help on the after party live. Cindy, thank you for your support and your kind words. I appreciate it. Doug with a $5 super sticker. Karen with a $20 super sticker. I'm so overwhelmed with gratitude. And then, of for course, we have Julie D listeners. and Susan D, yeah. our ongoing contributors. Thank you so much. Without you, we couldn't do this. Absolutely. Bring it to you every weekday Thanks, you at guys. 1 o'clock. We'll have see you again weekend. on Monday. Yeah, have a really good weekend and happy Hanukkah if you're celebrating that. And have a really good afternoon, John Daly. Bye-bye. Out of time. Bye-bye.